Alright, here we go. Alright, this is Tennis of Melbourne. Here I have Ellen for me. So, Ellen, would you mind uh, briefly uh, describe who you are and what you've been doing the last a year or two around tennis? Yeah, um, so I'm Ellen Perez. Um, I'm currently based myself in Melbourne. Um, I train out of there at the National Academy. But um, before that, I actually went to college in America. Um, I was at the University of Georgia. I played um, there for three years. Um, and 2017 is kind of where I left and made that decision to go pro and um, return to my base in Melbourne and uh, been training, playing pro tournaments. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm left-handed. I'm 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure what else you may want to know. Oh, yeah. Look, I remember the first time I saw you, and I don't think you probably recall, but I remember the first time I saw you was in a gold AMT when I started out as a trainer. It was down at um, Dufton. You, yep. were, you were playing one of the tournaments, and um, the reason why you caught my attention was, and that, that this goes way back. You, you may or may not remember, but you, you played a player named um, Kev Valos. Yeah. And then um, you hit a shot. It was sort of like everyone thought you're not going to make it, but then you hit sort of not around the net, but sort of good enough to hit a winner off off a stretch. And then everyone sort of go, ooh. And then everyone's like, who's that? And I was like, who's that girl? And I go, Alan. And I sort of stayed in for watch a couple of matches. And you, you end up doing really well in, in that tournament. I don't know how you went exactly, but you went you went pretty deep. And then that is when I caught yeah. my attention. And then a few years later... In a Vic Hardcourt Championship, you you played. Uh, I think I think you won that. I think um, won or final. I can't remember. But um, yeah, so I think uh, it's always good to to see you. You know, playing in in tennis in Melbourne and then having this high caliber. So yeah, I'm I'm very appreciative that you know you're still around and and willing to give something for tennis. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, I, I always enjoyed, especially growing up, playing a lot of those AMTs and uh-huh. like tournaments. Now that I'm playing more on the professional tour, um, it's a little hard to find time. Like, I think last year I only played one, and that was the Manly Seaside. But you know, oh. they're always great matches, and it's, it's always a good um, opportunity to, to compete and um, get out there and play some different players. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that pathway was a, a really good option. Right, okay. Now, um I'm going to slowly merge back to your memory bank in, in terms of college, right? Did you say College of Georgia? Is that what it, what's it called? Yeah, University of Georgia. University of Georgia, all right. So what's it like in your first year? Obviously, first year as a freshman. Was it any – do you recall what was like your first year? Yeah, uh, I went in a little bit injured in my first year. Um, I You go in August. Um, mm-hmm. That's when the fall season starts, per se. And I had a right wrist injury, and I ended up getting surgery in December. So I remember for the first bit I was playing, that's like the individual um, season, when mm-hmm. the team season's January to May. So um, in the fall, you play as a team, but you individual results is what really matters. And I remember oh. I was playing one-handed a lot of the events because I couldn't hit a backhand, and I was kind of annoyed and frustrated. But I remember, like, my first year, it was tough making that transition um, back into uh, doing a lot of schoolwork because obviously mm-hmm. the Australian school system, we finished in December the year before. Mm-hmm. So I went all of January through to August not doing any school. And then you ramp back up with a lot of school and, you know, you've got your expectations of the team and you travel and miss classes. And I actually found that a little difficult. So I think mm-hmm. um, that was just a bit of a learning curve. And then I think in January... Um, when season started, um, mm-hmm. it got a lot easier. Like, you're used to kind of the system, you know, where all your classes are. Um, mm-hmm. I just had the surgery on my wrist in 
December um, and I was coming back and I was finally able to get back in. And mm-hmm. My freshman year was a blast. I just remember it's just like you take everything in. You've got mm-hmm. your seniors on the team who really guide you and look after you and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you have your fair share of, like, wow. meeting you, um, um, other athletes from different sports and partying with them and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought college was um, my best years of my life and freshman year in particular I have a lot of fond memories. Well, I must, I must say, you know, first you're going in and then have that injury. And how long did, will you sit out for? For the entire year or 10 months, 8 months? Um, no, the injury didn't put me out for long. I was only two or, two or three months. Um, oh, two okay. months definitely not hitting back in. But I remember I came back into season and started playing just kind of one-handed even. So, like, although I did hit, because it was my right wrist, I um, uh-huh. was only out for really the month or maybe six to eight weeks of not touching it and then yeah I was able to start implementing my back end back into it jeez so so I'm I'm gonna jump straight into to um your tips okay of technique wise now one-handed backhand slice what's your one tip um my one tip wow okay I've actually been doing a little bit of coaching recently with some kids and stuff oh okay when I first got back I was trying to help out a little bit um Uh with my local club and I think the big thing is a lot of kids are, you know, they're big swings. They've got this mm. massive swing going on and they follow through to the other side of their, their shoulder. And I think the big thing is, like, you don't need a big swing. It's just short and sharp. It's almost like a backhand volley. Mm-hmm. So I would say, um, yeah, I mean, I want to say too many things, but mm-hmm. <laughs> body weight forward and just a short back swing. Give me a player or two represents a very good backhand slice. Give a play or two, you said? Yeah, give me a play or two that represents a very good backhand slice. Oh, I mean, Roger Federer mm-hmm. has the most elegant, I think. And I think that's obviously helped. He's got a nice one-hand backhand, so mm-hmm. it's, it's easier for him as such to make that change. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, how about mean, Barty? Ash Barty. Ash Barty, so, yeah. I think Australian tennis is in good stead. I think Ash and, both, and Sam Sosa have really good slice backhands. Um mm-hmm. Ash is obviously using it a lot, and it's showing on the women's side. It's um, it pays off. Like we don't see it as much. We don't know what to do with the spin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, she's she's obviously probably leading the game in slice backhands on the women's side, and I think um, Sam's not too far behind. She's going mm-hmm. to be deadly slice. Okay, what's your one tip on say? Uh, see, the thing this part is this called the the, the fast five. I'm going to ask five simple questions. So I've done one. And um, as the time goes, I learn how to interview a little bit better. So I'm going to be a, a very specific part of tennis, all right? So okay. second serve. What's your one tip for second serve? Do not um, slow down your arm speed. Uh, I think I see a lot of times that people try and slow it down to take the pace off. But I think you've got to swing just as hard but add spin. Okay. I like it. I like it. What's one tip coming off? A very, what's the word? When are you coming off a comeback defeat? That, that you, and you know very clearly the the final set. It, it's it's all yours, and somehow you gave it away. How do how how do you come back off it? Oh, okay. So what's the way you bounce back from a loss you shouldn't have? Something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, straight after the match, what would you do, and how would you do it? Oh, I think everyone handles it a bit different. I'm mm-hmm. the type who like to surround myself with people. Um, mm-hmm. I like to forget about it pretty quick, and I think um, being social and just moving on is my best way. I know a lot of people like to internalize and kind of 
set themselves aside, take some time, or they might even like to go straight back onto the tennis court and practice what they like and do well. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's kind of like just, you know, quiet time for 10 minutes to just, you know, regather myself. And then it's just surround myself with people that make me happy. Oh, wow. Do you go out and eat and just sort of forget about it? Or do you party and things like that? Or sort of just like, you know, tennis is tennis? I think if you, you haven't earned the right to party like that sometimes, I mean, I think it's more just, um, yeah, you just do the right things to pay yourself for the next one, but it, yeah, I just move on quickly. I kind of set it aside and know that I made a mistake, mm-hmm. and then I just like, okay, next one, and just go that last, as is. Okay. Now, I, I noticed you play some doubles uh, recent years. Um, what's one tip for playing doubles at the baseline? <laughs> at the baseline? Yep. I always think it's good to uh, be someone that can try and set your partner up. I mean, I've always been a very aggressive player, mm-hmm. and I've always think it's better to try and get to the net. So for me, I'm not trying to be someone rallying cross-court a lot of times in the baseline. I'm thinking hit big, try and set up my partner, and if not, as soon as there's a ball that's slightly short, I'm thinking come into the net. So it's, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Um what do you look for in a coach? Like, to, to you, in your, in your world, or in your experience, what is a good coach? How, how do you classify a good or great coach? I think communication is probably the key um, word that comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. Someone that, you know, constantly you're able to communicate, you know, practice time, what needs to be worked on. Um, you know, when you come off the court from a loss or a win, how they portray the, um, everything that you need to work on is, you know, if they come at you with a stern attitude and they come too hard, it's maybe not the right approach. They need to understand you, and I think the way they communicate their message is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably one big thing. But um, I like a coach that can also you have both sides. Be very serious, but also like take a joke and be fun, and you know, not um, and it isn't always everything. And I think some coaches may not remember that or mm-hmm. be a little caught up in that. So for me, yeah, I think it's that. not so much. Are they good at technique? Are they good at pattern play? It's not that that I really... So I think all coaches kind of know that. You can start to work on areas in your game specifically that you need to work on. I think it's mm-hmm. more the, the other skills like um, communication and um, mm-hmm. having a while. I'm slightly curious on, on this context is that in, in professional I, tour, I, I, like, I never thought I will ask this question, but I just thought got to this point. I'm very interested is that when, when you approach a coach, do you look at his or her resume saying, oh, he, he used to coach this and who and who and so and so, and then you put yourself in that pressure coating and saying, oh, okay, so I'm under this coach now, I get to become you know, this level of you know, in, in ranking, and then you sort of give yourself that, that kind of pressure? Do you, do, you, do you have that, or is it depending on everyone? I mean, I think the respect always there, but you do kind of go, oh, okay, I know they know what they're talking 
about, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know recently I started working with David Taylor and his, mm-hmm. um, his background of coaching is pretty incredible. I mean, he was with just recently Dario Gabalova, Sam Stoza. Um, he was with Naomi Osaka just recently as mm-hmm. well, Elise yep. Mertens, mm-hmm. um, Anna Ivanovich. I mean, it's all... Wow. With, <laughs> He's worked with, um, I think even maybe a stint with Hingis. I don't even know. Like, the names he's uh, mentioned and that he's worked with are pretty astounding. Um, mm-hmm. right. So he's got, yeah, a great record of top 10, top 20 players. Right. And so you, so you do know he's able to produce good plays. He knows what good tennis is. He knows what works on the top level of the tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't feel a sense that I need to see that because, you know, it's going to make him look bad if I don't this and that. And that's not how I am. Maybe certain players do, mm-hmm. but it definitely gives me the confidence. I've got someone that knows what they're doing, knows what it takes. So when he tells me, oh, you know, you've got a top 10 this, or you can do this, no, no, you've got the best this in the game, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, you, you believe it, because he's seen it all, you know. Mm-hmm. So that definitely is something you take into account, but I don't think in terms of expectation based on what your coach is, who mm-hmm. your coach is, is a big thing at all. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is, I, lo- I love it. I love it. Um, now, obviously, last couple of years, we've been traveling a lot, right? Um, what's your one or two tips on traveling? And do you, do you go by certain, uh, through, through, uh, what's it called? Um, sky scanner or what's a sky scanner or? Sky scanner. Yes, good. Yeah. Oh, here's, here's my biggest tip in, in money saving. Yeah. Um, I went to a site called Student Universe, and you don't have to be a student. You just, I mean, if you are a student, then you can get it maybe even slightly cheaper than the other rate. But as long as you're under 25 and considered a youth, you can sign up, and the rates um, for flights, especially, it's a big American site. So you can fly using it. I don't even think Australian flights count, but if you're flying around Europe or America, the flights are so much cheaper like you can book last day and i can get flights to australia for like eight nine hundred whereas on other sites they're seventeen hundred no know, so no the, the normal nine thousand dollars like from america back to australia whereas everything else is sixteen hundred onwards so wow. when i discovered that it was life-changing because obviously i'm making you know you make last minute trips um around you're always booking it the day before you need to fly jeez um, so that's a good one. Um, so can you, yeah. echo, can you echo that, please? What's it called? Student? Universe. Student Universe. All right. So for all the listeners yeah. out there, check it out. Thanks to Ellen. Yes. Do you have another tip for traveling? They can thank me later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go to code yeah, Ellen. I, mean, <laughs> I think you just got to enjoy it. I don't know if that's not a tip, but I think it's very important to enjoy traveling because that's what we are doing most of the time. Um, and I think if, if you don't enjoy it, you need to try and find things that you do enjoy about, like like maybe travel with someone you like. Being a, a good friend helps you on the tour, you know. You, maybe you get lonely and don't enjoy it, or maybe you're traveling to parts of the world to start out where you're losing a lot of money and you're going to Tunisia or Egypt. And that's mm-hmm. really tough. It is hard to enjoy the tour when you're doing that. But I think maybe um, picking a schedule that you might enjoy the countries more or traveling with someone um, where possible, that's a good option. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. So the company you, yeah. you you want to have a really good company. Oh wow, that's so so important. So so yeah, sometimes well, it depends what type of person you are. I know mm-hmm. if you're um, if you're someone that likes to be on your own and very independent, and, mm-hmm. you know you, you don't struggle with the tour as such, then maybe you don't need the company. But if you hate traveling or you get you know you, 
Question I always ask everyone here What do you miss most about Melbourne? <laughs> I think, um, well, I, I miss my car actually. <laughs> I love having, I love being at home, like being able to cook home cooked meals and then have my car and freedom to just leave and do whatever I like. Mm-hmm. That's great, but in terms of the city itself, I think uh, Melbourne has great coffee and brunch places. I mean, anywhere I travel, I feel like we never live up to the same um, like brunch that we do. Uh-huh. All right. So I miss coming home to just good Avo on toast or oh, Avo. <laughs> now, Ellen, you are the third person in the last twenty-four hours who I had a chat with, and they all said about yeah. Melbourne coffee. Now, yeah, I knew yeah coffee and brunch. What's your Mel? What's your go-to Melbourne coffee? Um, I'm actually not a massive coffee person. If I ever go for coffee, I'm going for like a chai latte or something, or I'm more a tea. I'm yep. very British of me, but um, if I yeah, if I am, there's I'm out in Hawthorn area, so I have mm-hmm. been to the Axel Roasters or. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. There's some local little cafes that I know are good, but I'm not mm-hmm. like a consistent. Oh my god, I have to go to this place. You know, like not a typical snob. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Now, um, yeah. when you were in college, sorry to, to skip back a little bit, is that did you have a lot of coffee back uh, in 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 the states? No, none. Honestly, mm-hmm. I well, I wasn't a big coffee person to begin with, but you definitely not become a, gonna become a coffee lover in America. <laughs> it's pretty bad over there. Um, is that too sweet or? Tennis of Melbourne is really about appreciation. All right, it's all about appreciation because I feel like you know we need to do, to give. Obviously, we're doing we're playing a lot of tennis, but there's always that side that we can we can demonstrate. You know, so as, as someone who's been around quite a bit, you know, uh, you how long have you been playing ten, tennis for since you were? I started when I was seven. Okay, wow. So it's it's quite oh wow. So nearly nearly twenty years. Oh wow. Yeah, so who do you appreciate? And why? On the tennis tour? On the tennis tour, you know, juniors, even when you're starting tennis, you know, who do you appreciate? Uh, you can start with parents or, you know, your coaches um, and how, how they got you here. Well, definitely a massive appreciation for my parents. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a huge financial investment and a lot of hours, time off work for them to put in for any for any kids to really start. I mean, if you... If you have parents that aren't willing to put the money in and take time off and send you to these tournaments and around the world and whatnot, it's, 
it's virtually impossible to make it. So I have a massive appreciation for how much they put in commitment-wise, my tenants. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I mean, as you go through the ranks and, you know, you start doing different things and whatnot, I think you, you start appreciating so many people. I mean, there's a first coach you have who teaches mm -hmm. you techniques. There's the, the girls I'm sure that I'm currently with and training with every day, like the Jane Forces, or Sanders, mm -hmm. you know, just to name just very few. Um, you know, you... You brought up with them, and you go every day into the tennis and see them, and they push you to get better and things like that. And I think um, that's super important, and I really appreciate those goals. And, mm -hmm. and then Tennis Australia for me, um, mm -hmm. they've always uh, kind of believed in me, and I've, I think I've always been a, like the wild card. I've probably never met um, the perfect criteria that they've had in place mm -hmm. to be a part of Tennis Australia, whether it's like you know you got to be top three junior in your state or top this ranking and that I've probably never met it and mm -hmm. they've always backed me and had trust in my game and where I'm at and mm -hmm. um, they've provided me with coaches and money and you know yeah. opportunities to do this and that and you know those things they never go um, forgotten like you, they really are um, helped um, allow you to uh, best your tennis mm -hmm. um, and yeah and then it, yeah as you go you, there's more and more people that come into your life that become more important whether it's Nutritionists, psychologists, mm -hmm. um, trainers, mm -hmm. physios, you know, there's, there's so many people that go into tennis that help you along your pathway to get to where you want to go. Um, and, yeah, if you, if you don't um, realise that and have an appreciation for those people, then it's, it's really hard to um, progress. Yes, that, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, um, what's going to say? Um, you, you know... I'm always uh, because I'm around here in Victoria most of the time, and I deal I do deal with a lot of junior junior players. Now, um, obviously, you, you're one of the first people I I I noticed that you have. Um, there are not many lefties for some reason here here in Melbourne. But uh, do you have any tips in general? Probably not for lefty, but just in general. Sorry, is that for junior players aged between say 12 to 17 in terms of their game or their technique? Do you have any tips? Okay. I mean, it, it's, I'm probably not the best person to give these tips because I've always been, I've always played on instinct and I've never been very structured and like, oh my God, I've got to hit three balls cross and then that ball has to be a line ball. Mm -hmm. um, I've always played off instinct and, you know, oh, this I feel like I can hit a winner here and just, I just keep switching sides and that. Like, I've never played a lot of patterns. Um, so I'm maybe not the best example, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think the big thing with coming from 12 to 17 is more just, you know, believing in yourself and not getting harping too much on results. I know when I was 12 and even till 16 or 17, I was never close to one of the best in my age group. I um, I never made an Australian tour. Um, mm -hmm. Never got to play in the Junior Fed Cup teams. I never really got to represent Australia on, yeah, those tour levels where they take six, seven girls. I was always, you know, the they take six, I'm seventh. If they take eight, I'm ninth. If they take four, I'm, you know, fifth. <laughs> I always missed out, honestly. So wow. I think the thing, yeah, I, I, I never was doing well for my age. Um, I, I was always up there, but I was never the top gun and always kind of missing out on that. And I think that's it's huge because, you know, you need to get brought down and kind of believe you're not good enough. Or, but those age groups don't really matter because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of girls that were good at 13 – aren't still playing the sport now. They, mm -hmm. They've dropped off. And, you That's know, right. I, I know my age group, there's a lot that have quit. And so as long as you keep with it and keep believing and just keep plugging away, I think that's the biggest thing you can learn from between 12 and 17. Because honestly, when you are now 24, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you what my 
worst loss as a 13 year old was and how great this tournament winning it was because it doesn't really matter now. I don't really, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything, you know. It's just as long as I got through that period and got better as a player is all that really matters. So, okay. So yeah, if I, I if I if I reverse the question, if I reverse the question, I would say, Ellen, what would you tell your 15 year old, Ellen? Yeah, exactly. I'd tell him exactly that. Just mm-hmm. Keep going. That mm-hmm. that loss in a under sixteen nationals in second round is not going to matter when you're twenty years old and playing, <laughs> you know, a big tournament. <laughs> That's wow. exactly what I tell myself. Because at the time, you think it's everything, and oh my god, how bad is this going to look? And mm-hmm. That's going to affect my Australian ranking, and oh, honestly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, last but not least, I know that uh, you, we we, I, we spoke about uh, the people who support you. Now, I noticed that you have uh, other sponsors, uh, current sponsors. Um, you have 15, 30 seconds as long as you want. Pluck away uh, and give them a few shout-outs, and I'll use Tennis of Melbourne as a platform and give them a bit of um, an exposure. So take it away. Oh, with oh, I've recently my um, agency just getting a lot of product deals. So I've just, um, I mean, in terms of sports watches, I'm with Sunco. Um, mm-hmm. Travel Center has been giving me a bit of money to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with Wilson, mm-hmm. um, uh, with rackets and string. Um, my clothing sponsor is Bidi Badu. It's a mm-hmm. German um, tennis clothing brand. Yep. Um, what else have I got? I mean, I was given a phone and. Uh, kind of a deal with Huawei. Is that um, the one you, you did an unboxing thing, I think it was last year? Is it P40? I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was recently actually for Australian Open, I did a deal with Benefit, um, uh-huh. the cosmetic and beauty um, brand. Yep. Um, and that was really cool. That had me doing a few things that was different and out of my comfort zone. In mm-hmm. um, I worked with Eleven Hair, um, like a shampoo, conditioner, straightener type brand. Yep. Um, uh, what else? I even worked with a wine company, but mm-hmm. um, I'm forgetting the name now. Okay. <laughs> it was like though. It was like. Why? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of people and uh, things that I've gotten and uh, different like brands have helped out with whether it's face care products and different things. But yeah, it's all been really nice. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, the big thing I'm trying to work on is a car company right now and. I had um, Mitsubishi and BMW come back. With oh, yay. So that'd be really cool to pursue. Um, so happy for you. Yeah. So happy for you. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. Well, um, last but not least, uh, I always tell tell all, all the players is that um, I will I will uh, put in my diary that uh, you know in a in twelve months time or twenty four months time when you know if you're still on tour, even uh, which I hope you are, you know we're gonna you know revisit this this conversation again and see what has what has progressed, you know, and um, I, I'm not sure whether you're going to be, you know, hopefully I, you will be, you know, either top 100 or, or even better, and then I, I hope I can squeeze uh, 20 minutes of your life and then have this conversation again, <laughs> if that's yeah. all right. Okay. Sounds great, yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Ellen. You have been amazing. I will have um, this, this, uh, this recording up in the next few days. And uh, yeah, and then I'll, I'll see if I can find as many um, the sponsors, and I, I tag them to show appreciation that you, they, they support you along your along your journey. And um, last but not least, to be honest, this whole virus thing—I don't want to get all negative. I'm just hoping that all of you guys get to play the other three Grand Slams by 2020. <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice. Obviously, in the yeah, be- ideal world, that would be great. But mm-hmm. you never because know with the because Wimbledon is now having a little uh, 
decision to make. Uh, and obviously, French Open even US. So it, it's hard, but I I just wish that you guys, all of you guys, can can play as many Grand Slams as this year, not just AO. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. But yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. Obviously, health and safety first, and we'll see what happens from there. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Ellen. Take care and Thank look you. after yourself. <laughs> you too. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.